Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, I celebrate your goodness to us. So many ways in which you have poured out your blessing in our lives. Uh, Lord, the, the country we live in, the, this beautiful state where we reside right now. Lord, individual blessings that I'm sure people in this room could express that you have, have given to them. Lord, those, those of us who've, who've chased after you for a long time even, even will express to you thanks that even in times of difficulty, even in times where it's difficult to see you, even in times when it's, it's hard to, to know the specifics of your work in our life, we still experience your blessing. Lord, may we be a people who, who praise you mightily in the good times. And yet, Lord, remember to praise you just as mightily when things are tough. The Bible reminds us that your mercies towards us are new and fresh every single sunrise. And Lord, in a, a group this size, I know that there are people who are having one of their best days, and there are some people maybe who aren't having a day that's so great or maybe a week, <laughs> a month or a year. Lord, whatever the case, my prayer this morning is that through your word, you'll encounter us here in this moment. And whether we're on top of the world or struggling through a valley, we will know your presence and we'll rejoice and be glad for the blessing of you with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it is great to see you here this morning at Christ Community Church. Amen for the rain? All right. Uh, cool things down a little bit and maybe uh, makes us a little less nervous about the fires and things like that. So I am glad for that. I hope that you are too. If it goes on too long, I know we'll be complaining. <laughs> but uh, I won't mention the four-letter word that's just around the corner. Yep. <clears throat> but we do live in an incredible place, don't we? Uh, it, the beauty of Alaska just never ceases to uh, shock me and amaze me. Um, a couple of things I want to throw out this morning before we jump into the passage for today. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, uh, in the summertime, especially if you have kids, in the summertime, uh, we give our uh, children's ministry team a break and, and invite our kids to stay in here with us for the entire service time. If you've got kids that are old enough, there's some activity sheets back here on a table in this corner right by that door. You're welcome to grab those even now if you didn't get some and you want to go get some. Uh, you can go do that. If you have littler ones that maybe are nursery age and you would like to take advantage of the nursery, it's right out through these doors, and we do have someone there today that's staffing the nursery, and uh, you can take advantage of that. It's totally up to you. Kids are always welcome in here with us. If by chance we're going to be talking about something that maybe isn't uh, 
particularly kid-friendly because the Bible talks about a whole lot of things in life that maybe at certain ages uh, children might not understand, we'll let you know ahead of time, all right? We won't spring it on you at the last minute uh, or do anything like that. So uh, take advantage of those things as you will, and uh, we're glad that you're here. And as uh, Pastor Jason said when he opened this morning, if you're a guest with us here today, would love to hear from you. I would love to meet you. Uh, or if we don't meet face-to-face, if you would give us one of those Connect cards, uh, you can get them here at the Connect Center, place it in the offering box here behind this section of seating. That would be great. Um, so I don't forget, I do want to say that uh, today is uh, the Stratton's last Sunday with us. Um, Jennifer and MG, that's what I call her, MG, has always been my name for her. Mia Grace, Gracie, she's here too. Morgan's already gone off and gone back to school right? School location. Bob, I think, made it to the south, I saw. Right on. So he's, he's in South Carolina uh, at the apartment where they'll be staying until their house is finished. Uh, they've been a part of us for, for uh, a long time. In fact, uh, Jennifer was the, the, the wizard behind uh, this children's ministry hallway back here. And uh, they've been great friends to me personally and to us as a church. We're going to miss you guys a lot. So make sure that you take the opportunity today to express your love for them and your well wishes as God takes them to their next place on their journey. And then uh, other big news this week, the Haas family closed on your house. Is that right? That's a huge blessing. Uh, Really excited for them. The downside is it's in Wasilla. So... I don't know how much we'll get to see them in the future. We would love for them to be here as much as they can, but that's a tall order to ask. So again, while they're here, Maria is still down in Florida with her family after her mother passed uh, here recently and spending time with them. She'll be back soon. But again, if you have the opportunity, express your love for them. They've been critical parts of our worship team and so many other ministries that we've had around here. Uh, We love them. Uh, They're a part of us and they're part of our family. We're going to miss them when they're not around, but we hope you'll be around sometimes, all right? Uh, You're always welcome here. All right, all that said, can we jump into some Bible? Uh, If you haven't been with us the last few weeks, you can catch up on the website. Last week has not been posted yet because I was a little bit lazy about it this week, but it'll get posted this week, Uh, and this one will get posted this week as well. We have been in the book of Jonah for a number of weeks talking about the different themes that we find in here. And as I did last week, I backtracked a little bit uh, in some territory that we'd already covered because there are multiple themes that are available here. And I want to do that again today. I'm not going to go back too far from where I was last week, but I want to back up just a little bit. And I'm going to start back actually in Jonah chapter 3, verse 5. And just to to nutshell the story, just in case there's someone here who's not heard this story before, let let me give it to you like this. There's a guy named Jonah. He's a follower of God. He's a prophet who is tasked with communicating to certain people truths that God wants him to communicate. And he finds himself in this particular scenario where God has told him to go to a particular place and give them a very particular message And Jonah, being the man of God that he is, says no and runs in the opposite direction. All right? So uh, we see that work out here. In fact, the, the Bible says that he goes as far as he can figure out away from the presence of God as he can get. 
But what we find out in the story is that he can't get away from the presence of God. And uh, this calamity surrounds him as he gets on this boat. He's with these bunch of guys who don't believe any of the stuff that he believes. And he's kind of trying to hide down in the bottom of the ship. The ship gets overtaken by a massive storm that's, that threatens to wreck the whole thing and drown them all. And through a series of circumstances, Jonah says, you know what? I'm the problem here. In order to save everyone else, throw me over the side and save yourselves. And they do. There goes Jonah in the water. He's sinking down to the bottom. The Bible says that God sent along a great big fish that came and swallowed him. And that Jonah then stayed in the belly of that fish for three days. Now, I've mentioned this almost every week because we have new people coming in and going out. A lot of people, a lot of scholars call this story a metaphor because who could survive in the belly of a whale, or a, well, not a whale, a fish for three days? It could have been a whale, I don't know. Whales are mammals, they're not fish, and then there's that whole conversation, and then, you know, what kind of foods do they eat? And if it's a big enough whale to eat a guy, they usually chew things up, and that doesn't work. So whatever the case, it was a big, thin, flippy thing that was in the water, big enough to swallow a dude whole. That's the story. And people say, well, that can't be true, because nobody could survive that. And yet we find other places, both in the Old Testament and we find in the New Testament where Jonah is referred to as a historical figure. And his story is referred to as a historical story. So the people of, of the day and the people of the belief around when Jonah existed and those who came after him who were part of his world and his history, they didn't think it was a made-up story. They think it was true. And I believe that too, because God's a God of crazy things and miracles. He does all kinds of things that we don't think will work out, but he does them. And that's actually kind of what we're talking about today. So he gets in the belly of this fish, three days, three nights. Basically, he finally gives up and says, God, I acknowledge you. You're greater than I am. I'm sorry that I did that. The fish makes his way over to the beach next to the city of Nineveh, throws up, Bleh! Jonah. Jonah. Right, you with me? Jonah goes into the city. He delivers the message that God told him to send, which was repent. Stop the evil things that you're doing, because if you don't, God's going to destroy this entire place. And then in verse 5, we find the result of that. Jason talked about it two weeks ago. I talked about it last week. I'm just going to touch it right here because it's going to take us to the next part. Jonah obeys God. He delivers the message God has told him to deliver. And in verse 5 it says, And the people of Nineveh believed God. Isn't that powerful? What if you delivered the messages that God is putting into your life that he wants you to communicate to the world around you? Now maybe he hasn't called you to go to some city and tell them to repent because their evil is at hand and God's going to destroy them, but maybe he has. I don't know. At a minimum, we know from the New Testament, Jesus' words to us, at a minimum, God has told us to go into the world and make disciples, to share the gospel, teach them the things that he's taught us, and then follow along with them and teach others and disciple others and share the gospel message. I mean, that's the baseline right there. Every single believer has that message to share from the Lord. 
Now, we see another example in Scripture, a, a city called Sodom and Gomorrah, Twin Cities. They heard the message that the one who was supposed to deliver to them delivered, and they did not repent, and they were destroyed. So we understand, we see Jonah's story, we see the story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, and we understand that, that, that God, when we deliver the message that God has for us, it doesn't mean that everyone's going to receive it and, and, and enjoy it and respond to it in a positive way. See, that's not our concern. Our concern is to share the message, to do the speaking that God has called us to, to live the life that God has called us to. Uh, I don't remember who said it. I don't, I'm not going to get this exactly right. Um, your, your greatest testimony can just be the life that you live as a believer, different from the world. Something about you that signifies the presence and the mark of God in your life, in your spirit, the seal of the Holy Spirit on you because you have decided to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And the world goes, oh, hey, hey, that's, that's different. We, we quote it here often, St. Francis of Assisi, uh, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words, right? So there's that. So an overarching idea here is consider the message God has for you to deliver. And at its most common fundamental level for every believer is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And where that begins is what did he do for you? And how is that possible? And we are able to share about his life his ministry, who he is, God, clothed in human flesh. We can share about his, his sacrifice on our behalf, his resurrection to purchase us eternal life and life here on earth that matters, that has purpose. That's the baseline. So the people believed, and it went all the way to the top. In verse 6, it says that even the king heard the message, right? Even the word reached the king of Nineveh, and then he arose, and the people had already kind of gotten themselves together. They were repenting. They were sorrowful for what they'd done, and then it became an official part of the whole kingdom. Every creature, every person was to reflect their desire to be obedient to this message that they had heard. Now, why do they do this? In verse 9... Chapter 3, verse 9, the king has given out all of his instructions about every beast, every person, humbling themselves, dressing in uh, sackcloth, putting ashes on their head as a sign of sorrow. And he answers the question, why did they do this? In verse 9, he says, who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And then verse 10, when God saw what they, had, what they had done, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So first of all, verse 10 
when God saw. I don't want this to be that creepy thing that um, I think in some avenues is used to manipulate people, frighten children. You know, God's watching you. But he, but he is. See, it depends on how you cast that picture. Because Jesus said that, that, that God's eye is on even the smallest little bird. God watches and cares for. And he knows every time one of them falls to the ground and dies, God knows. And Jesus says, if he cares so much about even this tiny little bird, how much does he care for you? So yes, yes, God is watching. God is seeing you. God knows what's happening with you. God, God knows uh, where you're going, what you're doing, what you're thinking. And yes, that should be intimidating sometimes because we know that God is a holy and a righteous God. And sometimes where we're going and what we're doing, what we're saying, what we're thinking isn't so particularly holy or righteous. But God knows. And yet God still cares. And what God seeks in us is a heart that's willing to be repentant, a heart that's willing to be humble, to turn back to where he wants us to go, to, do, to go back to the things that he wants us to do. To spend time with him in the way that a, a true relationship is meant to have time. And that's what happens here. When these people repent, when they turn their hearts away from their evil, it means they're turning their hearts, their lives, their bodies, their whole beings towards God. And his response to that, when God saw what the people did, he relented. Some, some passages or some translations say he repented. Other, other translations say that God changed his mind. Now, I'm going I'm to deal with that here in just a moment. But the, the Hebrew word there is nahum. And it means the literal translation of it is to take a deep breath. Now, can you identify with that? You, you ever encounter circumstances in your life? You just, man, you just, you see the, the trains headed towards each other and, and they're going to collide and then circumstances arise and they end up passing each other instead of colliding and you go, oh. or sometimes maybe, you know, you're dealing with your kids or a loved one and they're driving you a little bit nuts and sometimes you just got to, I, I do this, not particularly with family, I do this with, um, when I was working on computers a lot, uh, they would be very frustrating, and I'd get to a point where I'd just go, <sighs> just kind of pause, because if I didn't, what had probably going to happen was that thing was going to take a launch off the end of the desk, you know, towards the floor, because I'd had enough. And that's the image that we get here of God. Uh, it's not fair to ascribe to God uh, feelings that aren't in the text, but we understand that God feels anger, sadness, sorrow, joy, uh, happiness, uh, longing, loving, 
All of these things are described in Scripture about the character and nature of the Lord, of, of the Father. And, and so I, I suspect that there, in, this, in this Nahum, this taking in of a breath, we get this idea that, that the Father is pleased that things have turned out this way. Now here's the tension here. When God saw, God relented from doing that which he said he would do. And so there's this, there's, and this is not new, I'm not making this up now, there is a huge discussion within the world of Christianity and in theology about the character and nature of God, which is because the Bible tells us that, that God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we take great comfort in that. We run across passages like this where it says that God intended to do something, and then he said, okay, I'm not going to do that. It's not the only place. We've talked about it before in the story of uh, the Israelites in the desert. God gets angry with them, says to Moses, I've, I've had it with these kids. I'm wiping them out. And Moses throws himself at the mercy of God and says, please don't do that. Look how far we've come. Don't do that. I beg you. And God says, okay, fine. And yet, we understand from Scripture, we see the truth of the sovereignty of God. When the Bible calls him the King of kings and the Lord of lords, it means there is no one who tells God what to do. He is sovereign. He is the king. And yet we wrestle with passages like this that say, well, but, but God changed his mind. God did something different than what he said he was going to do. And this tension is between God's sovereignty and God's desire to have a full cooperative relationship with his children, the children of God. And there are all sorts of... Uh, Theological devices to try and explain this, um, and, and, and I've used some of them uh, myself, and I think they, they work okay, but, you know, this idea that, that God, so if God is all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful, then he knows all the decisions you're going to make for the rest of the day, for the rest of your life. Does that also mean that he programmed those in? You know, there are some people who believe that when God uh, created the story in Genesis, when God breathed everything into existence, that he sort of like uh, programmed a, a computer, and everything is laid out, and it's all going to happen exactly the way he planned it, all from the beginning, and every mistake, every tragedy, every triumph, everything else is all stuff that God designed, planned, and intended from the beginning, and he basically just, he punched the go button, and then said, okay, here it goes, see it, see it the other side. There are some great, great theological thinkers who believe that's exactly how it works. That every single event is ordained and planned by God. There are others who take a less strict view of that. That God is in this interactive relationship with us. And that we have, to some measure, influence over our lives and the lives of people around us. We don't necessarily influence God because God chooses to do what God chooses to do, but he invites us into cooperation with him. One of the ways that he does that is through prayer. How many of you have ever heard prayer changes things? 
right? Well, does it? Or was it all pre-planned? Um, one of the examples I used to use was uh, if I were to put out a, a bowl, a couple of bowls here of, you know, like M&Ms and soggy cauliflower, and particularly ask some kids to come up and pick one, by and large, they're not picking the cauliflower. Now, just because I knew what they were going to do doesn't mean I made them do what they were going to do. And that's one way that we can sort of understand the sovereignty of God and the way that he sees our existence. Because God doesn't exist within a timeline. He simply exists. And so I ask the question, does prayer change things? If we deliver the message that God has for us, is it possible that events will happen in our lives and in other people's lives where God will relent from things that were going to happen and allow something else to happen? Well, he's doing it right here. And so I have to say there's some mechanism to that that I don't understand because I believe in the sovereignty of God. There's another passage where it talks about, and I'm not going to crack this knot open today, the, the elect, the chosen ones of God, and who those might be and who those might not be. And yet the Bible tells us to go and preach the gospel to everyone. And John 3.16, my favorite verse, says, if anyone will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll be saved. It's, it's not limited. And these things rest in tension. And I know some people are uncomfortable with that, but I've, I've discussed this before. I'm okay with having some things about my God, my holy, righteous, King of kings, Lord of lords, that I don't fully understand. I don't completely understand how they fit together, but I trust them, and I trust God, and I believe in Him. Because ultimately, if I can, if I can chart it all out on paper... And go, oh, that's how God works. I get it now. Then my human understanding has become equal with God's understanding. And that's not a God I can invest in because I need a God who's bigger than I am. I need a God who leaves some mystery at least around the edges that I go, man, I don't get that. But I believe, I trust you. I trust you because I've seen how you've worked in so many other things in my life and in the lives of others. I may have told this story recently, and if I have, I apologize. I don't want to bore you, which may already be too late for that. Who knows? You can tell me later. Um, Karen and I had the opportunity once to, to be at a conference down in, in Georgia. We were with some friends, and over the course of one of the nights there, we were supposed to meet up, and then we didn't meet up. They didn't show up. We're like, oh, I wonder what happened to them, and we... Tried to call, couldn't get a hold of them, couldn't find them. We finally made our way back to the hotel. There was a message for us at the hotel. It said, hey, get to, the, to the, uh, the hospital immediately. Your friend's wife is in the intensive care unit, and it doesn't look good. And so we raced there. And some terrible things had happened to her, 
and she was there in the bed. We walked in about the times the doctors looked at my friend and said, I don't think she's going to make it. I'd prepare. And he looked at us, and he said, please pray. And so we did. We gathered around her bed. We put our hands on her, and we prayed, and we begged God. She has a loving husband. She has a beautiful life. She has beautiful children. We don't understand what's happening here. We can't see the wisdom in this. God, please snatch her back from the jaws of death and save her. We prayed, and we stepped back. And within 10 minutes, her vital signs began to return to normal. Later that day, she's sitting up in bed speaking. She's living a beautiful life today with her children. Now, did we do something? Did we do? No, God did whatever that was. God did it. What we did do was we were obedient to the moment. We could have been Jonah and said, well, look, man, looks hopeless to me. I guess we're out of luck. Right? Can I say for certain that she wouldn't have recovered if we did that? No, because I can't. I can't know every timeline that lays out there, but listen, man, I don't want to be in a circumstance where God leads us to do something, and we step back from it, and then we see the carnage, and then we have to play the game of what if. Man, what if we'd just been obedient? What if you and your life had just been obedient? How different could it be? Obedient to pray for others. Obedient to pray in a, a, a conversational relationship with God. And, and when I say conversational re- relationship, I mean one that's not always talking at God, but also listening to God in prayer. If you ask me the question, does prayer change things? Yeah, man, it changes things because I've just seen it too many times. How does it work? I don't know. Oh, what I know is that God is good. And he wants to be present in our lives. And we can choose. We can choose to try and run in the other direction. Or we can choose to be obedient to the best that we can do. Prayer. Obedience. Being a true disciple. Seeking the Lord, knowing Him through His Word, knowing Him through His interaction in our lives, knowing Him through the example we see in other believers, all of these things have the potential to activate something in the economy of God that if we don't engage in, the outcomes may be completely different. That's what I think. There are lots of theologians and scholars that would vehemently disagree with what I just said. Um, One of my friends that uh, used to attend here, he's uh, off somewhere else now, uh, was talking about a friend of his who definitely has... Uh, has this kind of this hyper view of, of God's sovereignty that, that every single thing is planned out. And, and he said he would love to go to his house for dinner um, because he would just start at him. Every, like as soon as the, the food came out on the table, uh, 
If something was really good, Tom would say, man, this food is really good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad God ordained it to be that way today. Or if it was bad, he'd do the same. He'd say, man, this, uh, this casserole is not too good. I don't know. I, I guess God just didn't want it to be today. And they would kind of go after each other. I think there's room for both because, listen, guys, that's the mystery. At the core of it is the foundation, no matter where you might fall within that spectrum of belief about how prayer changes things or how our activities may influence what God does or what we see God do. The only alternative is for us as, as believers, as disciples, is just to do nothing. Don't share, don't witness, don't serve, don't pray, don't, uh, don't humble ourselves before God, uh, don't live a life that is exemplary of who Jesus Christ is in us. That's the alternative. And the Bible doesn't give us that option. The Word of God commands us instead to pray, to be examples, to be witnesses, to share the gospel, to serve. How God works in that, man, it's a big mystery to me in many, many ways. But I trust Him. Now, so I want to ask you to do this uh, as the, the band comes, we're going to sing one more song together. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me for just a moment? I want you to, to think in your own life. Uh, you can pick one of these areas, or maybe, maybe you can identify things in, in some of these, more than one thing. But Is there a specific message, mission, ministry that God has been calling you to that you have been trying to run from? And if so, what are you going to do about that? I mean, you can make a, a different choice now in this moment. I, I can't make that choice for you, but you, you can. Um, If there's something, is there something in your life that you're trying to work out with human understanding, but what it really needs is to be bathed in prayer before the Lord? Because you need his intercession, his action, or maybe just you need his wisdom, you need his, his mind, his direction. What are you going to do about that? Is there an area in your life, my life, where maybe I'm more like the city of Nineveh in this story than I am Jonah? Some unwholesome things that God wants wants us to repent of. He's giving us the message. If nothing else, I'm the messenger to you today.
will we be like the king and the people of Nineveh? That when we hear the Lord, we'll believe, repent, and return. So what are we going to do about that? Just take a moment. Pray on those things. Think on those things. Ask the Lord to speak to you. And then make a decision. It's not a decision I need to know. It's a decision you need to know. You can continue to pray there in, in your place if you'd like. Uh, invite you if you'd like to sing with us to go ahead and rise to your feet. The words will be here on the screen. We'll sing this song together as our closing. And then I'll, I want to share a blessing with you as you go.